Hi everyone, this is Dorchester Community Church online broadcast for the 28th of June 2020. Is he the real life? Looking at John chapter 11. My name's Roger and I'm the pastor of the church here. Now a few weeks ago, I mentioned then in our broadcast that regardless of whether or not you and I have ever met, we've probably already got something in common today because we would have used it. It was an innocent picture of us talking about a door and us having used a door, opened a door, been through a door. But we then went on to explore what Jesus meant when he referred to himself as being the door. Not just a door or any old door, but the door. Well, equally true, although maybe sounding a little bit more uncomfortable, would be if I was to say, you know, we've also got that common denominator that one day we're both going to die. Now that, of course, sounds a little bit morbid, and I could understand you may well want to turn off or switch channels or whatever at this point. But let me encourage you to hold fire on that front, because that whole sense and context for death is something that is very relevant for each and every one of us. And what we're going to be exploring today is that whole subject based on something else that Jesus said. But we're not going to be looking at this in any degree of of a morbid excavation, far from it. We're going to be exploring what Jesus meant when he declared himself to be the resurrection and the life. So death is very much at the heart of what we're exploring about uh, today. And the context for that was when Jesus apparently healed and brought back to life a man from the dead. If, of course, that was possible, that means that death is not necessarily the end. And if death is not the end, that invites you and I to ask that question for ourselves. Can there be hope for you and me beyond this life and beyond the grave? Join us as we explore that together. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? That reminds me of a song. Now this is now a video clip. Is this a sore throat? Is this just allergies? Caught in a lockdown. No escape from reality. Don't touch your eyes. Just hand sanitize quickly. Every now and then I'll let you know what's going on on the screen because obviously you can't see it, okay? Now, several people have asked, what's the story then behind the number 10 mug? Well, there is actually a story to tell. goes back a couple of years now, actually, when we used to have what we called coffee popping in our old building back in Ackland Road. And we're asked forever, having a sip of a cup of coffee and then putting my cup down and then going somewhere else, I'd forget where I'd put my cup. I thought it'd be a lot better if there was a cup that wasn't just the white ones like everybody else has got, but something that there was only one of. And I then found this cup with a number 10 on it. There's only one of them here at the church. I thought, oh, that'd be ideal. And even I won't forget that because I used to wear number 10 on the back of my football shirt. So that was the story of how it all uh, started. And as I shared this with Elsie, who was one of the main people who ran our coffee pop-in, the next uh, Wednesday morning, which was when it used to run, apparently the story goes that somebody went to help themselves to make themselves a cup of coffee, but, but went to actually use this particular mug. And Elsie said, oh no, 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 you can't have that one, that's Roger's mug. And everybody apparently laughed because it wasn't Roger's mug. It was just that I tended to use that one by choice. Anyway, it stuck. The story spread around and bit by bit there's been that ripple effect now that anybody and everybody who's making me a cup of coffee tends to dig out the number 10 mug. 
That is the story of the mug. But what about the story of today and what's happening today? Well, I've already set the context as to what our theme is today. We've begun through a series called Jesus in His Own Words, where He used the phrase, I am the resurrection and the life. What was all that about? We'll be exploring that theme together. There's also going to be our proceedings livened up by our puppets who are going to be singing a song for us as well. There's the winner of our Name the Station competition that's going to be announced. And there's also going to be a word of thanks from the town crier. What's all that about? Well, a little bit more about that uh, a little bit later on. Also, we're going to be hearing from one of our newer members about why on earth they would want to join this particular church. And then every now and then, as ever, for no other reason other than to put a smile on your face, there'll be a little quote or a little clip, as I say, hopefully, to make you smile. And here's one of them that reads, The seven dwarfs have been told that from Monday they can meet in groups of six. One of them isn't happy. Get it? And then there's a quote from Only Fools and Horses. Rodney says, not working today, Trigger. No, Dave, only key workers have to go in. I don't work with keys, I work with brooms. First, a song. Join us as we worship God together. Sing your hearts out from wherever you are. Some of the lyrics say these words. Touching every heart. Healing every heart. Turning lives around. Mending every heart. The song is called Waymaker. Thank you. 
wanting to say a huge thank you to volunteers who've helped support local families during lockdown. Well, that was great. We're involved in running a project here that we call Food Share. So as a result, it meant that all our volunteers for Food Share were invited to a free barbecue this week just gone. Here's Kevin, Marie and Martin enjoying that sumptuous feast. And here's Paul, the bearded Paul, as you can no doubt tell, maybe picking up tips from the town crier about how to become the next town crier. And here's me with Alistair, and you can see a pretty good lunch that was being enjoyed. And now for the infamous voice of Alistair Chisholm himself. Okay. sunshine. Tell us a little bit about yourself then. Uh, hi, my name's Kevin Smith. I first come to know the Lord as a child in a Sunday school in the Methodist Chapel on the Welsh Borders. Uh, nice. I've always felt the Lord's presence with me. Uh, I like to think myself as being quite spiritually orientated and sensitive to those things. Although I didn't go to church, I must admit, until I finally left the Navy after 22 years service, about 1998. Bit of a blip in the, uh, in the teens and then, what, 22 years in the Navy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in my adjustments to the civilian street um, and looking for a church, I unfortunately went down the New Age path and ended up involved with a spiritualist church. It wasn't until the Lord took me to Australia in uh, 2006 uh, and I got into a very large community-based Baptist church that I realised the errors of my ways. Uh, the Lord surrounding me there were lots of supportive Christians uh, they were all good friends, and um, they gave me quite a bit of counselling, quite a lot of prayer, and uh, made me attend regular Bible study events. Uh, the end of that was uh, I asked to be rebaptized, and I was water baptized in 2008. So when you say rebaptized, you, you mentioned that because the, your first one was a christening, wasn't it? Christening, yeah. Okay. So I had an actual immersion in water, water yeah. baptism. Some people use a phrase, born again. I'm not comfortable with that, so I had to say I was rebaptized. Um, 
I accepted the Lord forgive me at that point and I moved on within the church and enjoyed being in the family and I learned the joys of serving others and then eventually just as when I thought I was feeling comfortable around 2018 the Lord started to put it on my heart to return back to England for family uh, commitments I obeyed that calling and I've been back now a year living in Poundbury I've been attending Dorchester Community Church and I've been to other churches just to feel how it goes and I feel that the community church is the place that the Lord wants me to be and I look forward to being part of that family and serving wherever I can. Well, we, we certainly enjoy getting to know you, Kevin. Enjoyed seeing that beaming grin as you've been going out and about doing food share, delivering for us. So thank you very much already for how much you're doing. And may it be, uh, may you be a blessing to us and us to you in the future. So all welcome to you, Kevin, anyway. Thank and you. thanks for what you shared. Thank God you. bless you. Thank Take you. care. Would you like to join us? Are you a follower of Jesus? Do you believe that the Bible is the word of God? Do you feel this church is your spiritual home? Do you want to be involved in where God is is actually working and seeking to involve you? Well, get in touch. That's what it means to be a member of this church. Well, the movement of the squirrel is probably one of the few signs of life that we've got here. It ought to be surprising because where I'm at, many of you will recognise... This is Weymouth Crematorium, not the usual kind of place that we may well tend to film from. But it's maybe appropriate uh, today. It's a beautiful day and it's a lovely uh, place to come and maybe gather uh, your thoughts and what have you. But it's very quiet. It's very sombre in being here. In one sense, that's probably understandable. People have been laid to rest here. People have come here to say another goodbye to their loved ones or to remember them. Or maybe people have been here to get a sense of their own peace. We understand that. Certainly not a place that you feel that comfortable to be all smiles. Why would we? I've taken uh, a number of, of funerals uh, here at the crematorium, as well as other places, and also services at the graveside. I've been, like you, to many different funerals, maybe different end-of-life occasions. And although there's the, the same sense of grief and tragedy that seems to go hand-in-hand hand with every such occasion... One of the things I've noticed that's different is the ethos and the atmosphere at each of those occasions. There are kind of three different categories of the, the types of end-of-life occasions that I've experienced. There are those that can be known as, as humanist, which can be very well-meaning, very dignified and honouring to the person who's died, but there's never any mention of God there, so understandably there's not anything by way of hope in the life hereafter. How can there be? There are also those kind of broadly Christian funerals where there may well be prayers there may well be verses from the Bible that said, maybe even a hymn that's, that's sung. But the occasion seems somewhat tinged with grief and sadness only because there isn't really any owned hope at what may well lie beyond the grave. However well-meaning the person conducting the service may well be as he seeks to try to assure everyone who's present that well, they now rest in peace. But what's that based on? There's only one thing that hope in the life hereafter can be based on. And that's the third type of funeral that I've experienced, which is of a Christian celebratory occasion, whereby it's known that the person who has died was a Christian, they were a believer, they had a relationship with Jesus, so they therefore had confidence of what they beyond the grave you know today we're actually thinking about an occasion where Jesus was at a funeral 
And there was the sense of tragedy and, and grieving that you'd expect. It was actually one of Jesus' friends called Lazarus. And yet, as we have that passage read to us shortly, we read there that Jesus brought back to life this guy by the name of Lazarus. Well, as you can imagine, the atmosphere completely changed. It gives a real pointer that death is not the end, that there can be hope for something thereafter. We're going to be discovering today how we might have that right sense of assurance when our time comes, but also as we think about those that we love, who as yet maybe have no hope beyond the here and now whatsoever. We're going to be reading from John chapter 11. Now a man named, named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to the disciples, let us go back to Judea. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and to Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. 
When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Well, Jesus is at a funeral where there is the pain of grief. But with Jesus, of course, death is not the end. Back in the Old Testament, in a book called 2 Samuel, we read there we must all die. We are like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up, cannot be gathered up. If you've ever tried gathering up water from the ground, well, then you'll know exactly what I mean. Now, if it's a bottle of wine, it may well be worth your while trying, but in all probability, it's going to be pretty pointless. Equally pointless is pretending that death simply won't happen. It will. And we need to be ready for it. It reminds me of the wording I saw on one tombstone, which read, I expected this, but not yet. But before we explore what God might be wanting to say to us through this passage, we need to understand a little bit of what is going on here. Our funerals tend to be sombre affairs, but that wasn't the case in Jewish culture. Lazarus had been dead four days, but those visiting were still there. There was a party of mourners. Deep mourning lasted for seven days, of which the first three days were a continuous weeping. Must have been an incredible racket. During this week, it was forbidden to anoint yourself, to put on shoes, to engage in any kind of study or business, or even to wash. Must have been a bit of a pong. The first days of deep mourning were then followed by 30 additional days of lighter mourning when some of those restrictions were then lifted. Now we're kind of getting used to that particular phase, aren't we, right now? So when Jesus came to Lazarus' home in Bethany, it was during that time of deep mourning. And when he arrived, he found what anyone would have expected to have found in a Jewish house where someone had died recently. Rooms filled with crowded and very, very emotional and loud sympathisers. Back to John chapter 11. Friends had sought to console Mary and Martha after the death of their brother Lazarus. They both respond in the same way when they see Jesus. It must have been a deliberate inclusion in the text, even though the verses are apart. Verse 21 and verse 32. Both of the sisters say these things. Lord, if you had been here, then my brother would not have died. If, then something wouldn't have happened. There's some faith built in there, but there also appears to me to be some kind of blame as well. Why did you let this happen? If you'd been here, then maybe it wouldn't have done. We can be in that place, can't we? The if and only game. We become angry. The one most able to do something seems to do nothing. I'm agitated, angry. Why didn't you step in? Why didn't you bring about that sense of change? What about when God apparently does nothing? How do you feel when that occurs? When things are dark in that area of your life? When we pray a prayer, or we send out a plea for help. We, we quickly become discouraged or even jaded when we feel that God doesn't respond or certainly respond in the way that we would have hoped or would have liked. God doesn't always act on our time schedule. His timing isn't the same as our timing. Indeed, that reflects what we read back in Isaiah about his ways not being our ways. Don't judge God's love for you based on what you can or can't see in the immediate moment. Jesus seems to delay here, doesn't he? But it's not because he lacks love. It never is. God does delay sometimes. Our prayers and our pleadings can seem as if they might be falling on deaf ears. For a baby, for a spouse, for a new job, for healing or a financial resolve. It seems that maybe God is blind to our condition. And that can hurt right here. 
He does not forget us. He never forgets us. He may delay for a good reason or may not answer as we would desire. But we should trust that this is for a greater reason. Even if we can't see the immediate benefit for ourselves in in those circumstances that we're facing, can we trust him? Even then. You know, in life, stuff happens. You don't need me to tell you that. That includes both suffering and death. Somehow, we're called to trust that he knows what he's doing. It's into Mary and Martha's pain, anger, confusion, and maybe ours too, that Jesus then makes this astounding statement. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. What did he mean? Well, Jesus is telling Martha, I'm not just the one who speaks about and points to the resurrection as some vague concept in the future. I am the resurrection in the here and now. I'm not just talking about some vague belief of life after death. I am that life in the here and now. And you can know that life now. For all eternity starts right now. And that emphasis of I am was that name of God, so giving a little nudge and a pointer and a clue to the sisters that this Jesus was more than just a man. You know, Jesus offers us this life, this eternal life that can start right now. Right now, he is the source of life. But it's far more than his just merely giving us breath in our nostrils, however beneficial that may well be. Jesus said in John chapter 5 and verse 21, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. He defined eternal life quite poignantly in John chapter 17 and verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. We're now going to sing a song together. The song is called, God, I Look to You. Great opportunity after we've been thinking about this Jesus declaration of his being resurrection and life. Death not being the end. Trust me. Place your faith in me. Have confidence that you can have that that living hope for yourself beyond the here and now. So why not follow that by expressing from the very depth of your being, God, I look to you. Trust him. Do it now. Let's worship God together in song. vocalist here are Helen Hughes and Maria Farrell.
Hallelujah. Our God reigns. Hope that you have looked to this God. Maybe even right now. Let's pray. Dear Father God, maker of heaven and earth, we pray to you through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Thank you, Lord, that your name is above all names, yet you love and care for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you walked on the earth. You felt our pain and wept with compassion. You came from heaven to earth to show us the way to heaven. But in you we can find forgiveness for all our wrongs and receive the promise of heaven. A life so much more wonderful than this earthly life. Your word says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. So Lord, as we look on our hurting land, we pray. Please forgive and help us. Let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Please heal our land, our lives, our families, and help us to live in all the fullness of knowing you now in this life and in the life that is to come. In your precious name, Amen. That was Mandy Buller. Thanks, Mandy. Now, here's somebody that you're going to recognise. Sally, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Now, I know that you're missing everybody at church, but what have you been doing with yourself whilst we've been in lockdown? Mostly start off the day with telephone calls to members of the church. Um, then at 11 o'clock, my sister rings me and we do um, word games over the phone. Fantastic, oh yeah. Today we had a word called the solve, uh, I can't remember, and we found 200 and something words. Okay, yeah, well amazing. done, you. Yeah. We have a different word every day. And have you got? Have you got any message from the church? Just that I miss you all very much. Um, since my sister has been able to get the service on the phone for me, um, I feel much closer again to Roger and the church. Oh, bless it's you. wonderful. It's not the same as seeing it, but it's brilliant. Bless you. Well, we wish you all the very best, Sally. It's lovely to see you on the screen. Give everybody a big grin and see that lovely Sally smile. <laughs> okay, it's that time of the week where it's our celebration. So the chocolate tin's getting a little bit low here. Well, we've got a picture of a first meeting of six of us in the flesh. This is uh, our leaders meeting, our elders meeting, and you can see as you go round in a circle from the front round to from the left, uh, all the way round to the right, uh, there's Glyn, Paul, Martin, myself, Chris, and David. This was our elders meeting like never before, but we were sat there fully, um, social distancing out in the garden at David. So that was a great celebration, I have to say. In terms of other celebrations, well, remember that there were some chocolates left outside the building the other week. Well, John Weir, who was 80 uh, last week, on uh, back on Tuesday, well, look what John discovered. This is a picture of John then, and he couldn't and find then the chocolate. all of a sudden, look what John discovered. And then a picture of John with it a chocolate outside. June's birthday, same day. Well, June actually had a special delivery. And someone else whose birthday it was on Tuesday was Claire's friend, Claire's friend Jodie. So happy birthday, belated birthday to you, Jodie. So some chocolates there for yourself. But what about this week? Well, this week coming up, we have some birthdays. We have on Monday the birthday of Farmer Tom King. So Tom, happy birthday to you. On Tuesday, oh, sorry, on Thursday, we have two birthdays. We have a birthday of Julie Atwater, Robin's wife, Julie. Happy birthday, Julie. And then Lois, happy birthday to you as well on Thursday. And then one other birthday that we've got, which is on Saturday, is Grace Weir. Grace, who produces our Bridge and Magazine and stepping in every now and then and doing our online newsletter. So, Grace, many happy returns. I know you've been a little bit unwell of late, bit up and down, but do trust that you'll have a great birthday on Saturday. So, there's a chocolate somewhere, somehow, for you. That's great. Now then, we also have been running a competition. 
about name the station for David's uh, model railway. Here's a reminder of that model railway right now. Well, obviously you can't picture the model railway, but have a word with David Chaplin, because he's the one that's got that's set up a massive model railway. And in terms of the challenge that David set, it was, can you come up with a creative name? Well, we have and can announce our winner. That's as good as we get for a drum roll. The winner was Phoebe Herring. So this is a picture of Phoebe. And Phoebe's name for the station, her chosen name, was Chuggington. Chuggington, what a name! Wow, I really like that, said David, so that's great. And there is a prize coming your way from David in gratitude for that brilliant choice. So well done uh, to Phoebe. Now then, something a little bit different as it's time for our ministry of puppets. As we think about our theme today and conquering death and the one who's overseeing all of that and responsible for all of that must be this big, big God that we worship. This is a song about just that. Our God is great, big God. Enjoy.
Well, the first thing we know about it is that it's going to be really good. When Jesus was dying, there was a thief next to him on the cross. And Jesus promised that when that thief died, he would go to be with him in paradise. And in paradise is a way of describing everything that's really, really good. So imagine the things that you like best about life. Things that are really, really good. For example, I really like this. The life that Jesus offers is going to be really, really good. That's going to be ever so enjoyable. Now, the next thing we learn is that the life after we've died is going to be with God the Father. It's not that we're just going to go and live somewhere else. It's not that we're going to come back to this earth here and just carry on the way we are. The life that we have from Jesus is going to be a life lived with God. And we're going to be close to him and we're not going to have any sin or distress or horrible things that separate us from God the Father. And I guess that's another thing that's really good. Another thing we know is that you don't have to worry that there's not going to be space for you. Because we know there's going to be lots of room for everybody. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said, in my father's house, there's lots of rooms. and I'm going to go and get them ready for you. So you don't have to worry it's going to be a squash. I don't know if it's going to look like this in the new life. But there's certainly going to be plenty of space for us. And we don't have to worry the life after we die. It's going to run out of time. It's not going to stop. It's going to go on forever. This life with God is never going to end. It's going to be really good. There's lots of room for everybody. It's going to go on forever. And so when, as people who believe in Jesus, we think about dying, we don't have to worry. Now, I don't know about you. Have you spotted this? Who do you think this is? Well, this is my granddad, Alan Wilkinson. He was a Christian and he died when I was about eight years old. Maybe some of you are eight years old. It's a very long time ago now for me. And I loved my granddad. But he died a long time ago. Now, I can be trusting that Jesus has taken my granddad to be with him in a really good place with God the Father forever because granddad believed in Jesus and had committed his life to him and I hope that I can say the same for you and if so see you in heaven if not before bye bye Sarah that's fantastic. So thank you once again to our Ministry of, of, of Puppets and thank you too uh, to Sarah, who's a part of our Community Kids uh, team here as well. You know, Jesus didn't just raise Lazarus. He actually came back from the dead himself. One House of Lords judge once said that the resurrection of Jesus is the best proved fact in history. We looked at the evidence for Jesus' resurrection on Easter Day, and you can still download that broadcast if you're looking for some of those reasons to evaluate for yourself. It may be your own journey. But why is it important that Jesus really did rise from the dead? Well, I don't want to serve or worship a dead saviour. The Bible is adamant that there needs to be a physical resurrection. And unless there is, we're still in our sin and can have no confidence that there is then anything else after death in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 17 we read there but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead this Jesus died for our sin for our wrongdoing he was punished for what we did wrong but he then proved that he was the son of God through coming back to life from 
the grave. A Muslim in Africa became a Christian. And some of his friends were bemused and asked him why. This is what he said. Well, it's like this. Suppose you were going down a road and suddenly the road forked in two different directions and you didn't know which way to go. If you met two men at the fork, one dead and one alive, which one would you ask to show you the way? Very poignant. He worshipped a risen saviour, one who was alive and therefore able to speak into his life today, as indeed this Jesus is for your life and for mine. So as you let the reality of that true story just sink in a little bit, maybe the reality just trickle down through. That reminds me of water. Water is the theme of our next song that we're going to sing together. It's called Oceans. Just let this truth wash over you as we express our worship to God together now. Thank you. 
great song. You know, the resurrection is not just an historical fact. I believe what this book, the Bible, teaches us about the resurrection. Because he's risen, death is not the end. Because he has risen, we can have a relationship with him. Because he has risen, you and I can have a purpose in the here and now for today. Because he's risen, it's possible that we might experience his touch on our lives that leaves an impression. You know, in forensic science, there's, there's a, a rule that's called the lock year principle. Not the lockdown principle, the lock year principle. That says that every touch leaves an impression. For ourselves as Christians, we know that this risen Jesus has left a touch on our lives. So undeniable that we just know that he is alive. That this message is indeed true. What is your response to those words? When he declared, I am the resurrection, I am the life. He who believes in me will live, even though they die. And then he asked that question, do you believe this? And that's a question that I need to ask you too. Do you believe this? Trust that you do. If you've got questions or would like to know more, please do get in touch. You can do that via our homepage. God bless. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Well, we've been actually asking the question, is he the real life? Hopefully you've worked out the answer now. We believe the answer is a humongous yes. Come on, David, time to go. Don't forget that uh, social distancing. Steve Jobs' last words will change your views on life. The billionaire passed away at the age of 56 of pancreatic cancer. These are his last words. I reached the pinnacle of success in the business world. In others' eyes, my life is an epitome of success. However, aside from work, I have little joy. In the end, wealth is only a fact of life that I am accustomed to. At this moment, lying on the sick bed and recalling my whole life. I realize that all the recognition and wealth that I took so much pride in have paled and become meaningless in the face of impending death. You can employ someone to drive the car for you, make money for you. But you cannot have someone to bear the sickness for you. Material things lost can be found. But there is one thing that can never be found when it is lost. Life. When a person goes into the operating room, he will realize that there is one book that he has yet to finish reading. Book of Healthy Life. Whichever stage in life we are at right now. With time, we will face the day when the curtain comes down. key thing for us, of course, is where will we be when our own curtain comes down? You know, when this COVID-19 uh, broke out, there was an increasing number. It struck me that we're thinking about spiritual things. Maybe thinking about, well, what's going to happen to them if they were to die? We had loads and loads of more people that were checking us out online for the broadcast that we were showing. And that was great. Some really, really positive feedback as well. But with the restrictions that have been lessened, with there being less cases of COVID-19, and with there being uh, increasingly, and thankfully, less people that are dying, it struck me over recent days and weeks that there's been less of an appetite, again, to people asking those questions. Certainly less people watching the broadcast, I think, uh, as well. And that's been duplicated by others who do the same as, uh, as I do in church life. We've each found the same. It's almost as if people have reverted back to uh, living in the here and now, because at the end of the day, they feel that's all that matters, as if maybe they're safe now. Well, you've probably worked out that uh, where I am today is uh, 
on this beautiful sunny day, I have to say, is another local cemetery. And you may well recognize it if you're a local person watching this. And in one sense, I guess it could be deemed as being a little bit on the morbid side. And yet, you know, it struck me that what we've been thinking about today is that this is really the context for what Jesus did, isn't it, with Lazarus? Kind of calling him out from a grave. I mean, it may well have looked a little bit different to this because it would have been a carved out hole in a rock. But nonetheless, somebody being called out from beneath the grave. Lazarus, come out. What would that look like here in this situation were that to occur? And then it's against that backdrop that this Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Staggering statement. Well, Steve Jobs that we've just heard a few words of, and that wasn't the entire uh, clip. But he could have been buried in a place like this. I don't know if he was buried or if it was a, a cremation or anything else. I don't know what his beliefs were. But he wouldn't have had any advantage over anybody else, would he? Once dead, you're dead. They're all the same. Death is no respecter of who we are or what our status is or whatever our wealth might be. You know, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is that we know the purpose of our lives and that we know where we're going when the curtain comes down in our own lives. I hope that you know that too, in terms of your own reality. Have a think, as you think about these uh, gravestones in the background. Probably nobody expected their time to come when it occurred. It's important that we're ready. You know, we can be ready. That Jesus that we've been thinking about, in his own words, he was the one who raised Lazarus from the dead. He was the one who came back from the dead, therefore giving us faith and confidence that this life is not all there is. If you've not already done so, why not think about your own sense of mortality? Because you can have that absolute assurance of knowing where you're going when you die, if you place your faith and your trust in that risen Lord Jesus. I trust that you'll be able to do that. If you haven't done already, why not do it now? God bless you, and thanks for watching. Well, if you'd like to know more about the church, then obviously click on our website, or you can make a telephone call to 01305 267171. I'd like to thank David Chaplin for filming this and for uh, Andrea Chance doing the editing. And uh, once you've finished uh, with this, why not consider passing it on to the audio onto a family member or a friend. And if you've got any questions yourself, then we would love to hear from you. So God bless. As I normally say, Roger and out.